sweat the technique. The summer circuit continues from the pizza oven on the Kima boardwalk with the killer bees. From the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. Great time in Kima. Get out to the Kima boardwalk before summer is over. Do it today. Do it this weekend. Great spots, great food, great dining, great uh, amusements to be had. Uh, you'll be doing yourself a favor. Uh, it's a great time to be in live. Joe said he compl- comp- he's contemplating, depending on how long he has to be here, doing a little sunbathing in a Speedo later. No, 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 no. No? I might get the little guy up here. I'm going to try to get him up here and go to the aquarium. Well, that'd be good. We're right next yeah, to it. You going nice. to eat there? Uh, p- possibly. It's a good place to eat. It is a good place to eat. Everywhere. I mean, honestly, we're trying to speed up the Rockets' uh, process of trying to get to where they're trying just to get to. Come to the Kima Because we're just supporting Tillman by being down yeah, here. That's what we're doing. On your receipt, just put Fred Van Vliet at the bottom. <laughs> Dylan Brooks. <laughs> just put that at the very Dylan bottom. Dylan Brooks covered yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great. I paid a small portion now, yeah. Uncle Fred. It's so funny. My wife and I, we spend so much time out here. Just because, like, my, my in-laws live, like, 20 minutes from here. Now my parents are, like, a half hour away. Like, we, we spend so much time. My wife and I had our first date here. Oh, yeah. At, where at? Um, there was uh, uh, at the Landry, at the seafood one. Joe's Crab Shack. No, at Landry Seafood. Landry oh. Seafood? Not Landry okay. Seafood because it's not Landry's. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it. But the seafood place. Is it the one that there. has the deck? I think Landry's. It had a... Is it Landry's? Yeah. Yeah, so Landry's Seafood. Our, yeah, our first date was just like right over here on the boardwalk. Did you give her a kiss at the end of the night? Yep. Oh, then you knew you were progressing. I knew I was like, you knew you weren't a putz. That's true. There you go. So you're a, you're a kiss on the first date kind of guy, huh? You're not? Don't no, get not really. That. <laughs> well, I mean, no, he has not. first. I know. Not a kiss on the first we're just, date guy. We're kissing. We're not yeah. talking about the other stuff. Yeah, I'm not a kiss on the first date guy. Okay. You have to have a, well, I mean, it worked for you. So <laughs> maybe I've been doing it wrong. I mean, I, I was doing my, it wrong I my met my life. wife on Tinder, so what do I know? <laughs> worked for me. <laughs> you weren't first kissed uh, well, on our first, first date. date, too? She basically said to me, we just went on our last first date. Whoa. Wow. Were you intimidated when she said that? No, that was the one where I went. You know, that sounded all right you had for the a, first time in my life. That sounded a, okay. You had a motivated buyer. I was like, hey, it's <laughs> a good thing. Uh, it's a great time to be alive for the Astros, right? for the, uh, for, as a sports fan of the city, right? It's mm-hmm. a good time to be alive. Like we, we like where the Astros are at. I think we all think that the arrow's pointing up on the other two teams, right? The Texans, arrow up, even though I didn't love a trade. Uh, the Rockets. Uh, we didn't love a trade. The, the arrows pointing up, which you, you didn't really love the contract of Dylan Brooks. But overall, arrows pointing up for, for the – you know, the two teams that have been slacking behind the Houston Astros. But where does Houston, only counting the big three pro teams here, where does Houston stack up across the country? Now, there's not a ton of cities. There's probably like a dozen or so that have all three majors. We're not counting hockey here. Sorry, Joe George. Miami. Would you rather be in Houston or Miami? Dolphins, Marlins, Heat versus Astros, Texans, Rockets. That's not a bad city, though. I think no. Man. Well, it's Miami too. That's. But I'm talking just sports. Like Dolphins are a playoff contender. Marlins are in the playoffs of the season we're in today, and the Heat just went to the NBA Finals. How is Tua's brain scrambled? Yeah, it's a bit over scrambled easy. right now. It's scrambled over easy, but there's a chance that it could be completely. Tua said he contemplated broken retirement. Yoke. Do I get? Um, he contemplated retirement. He yeah. said that if they get Dame. This is close. Louisa Rise Electric. Did y'all see what Paul Pierce said last night? Yeah, yeah, he threw some shots at Dame. Unbelievable that if the Heat get Dame, they don't get out of the first round. What a that's a that's a that's the Eastern Conference, guys. It's a good time to be alive as a sports uh, in Miami if you're a sports fan. It is. That's a pretty good one. That's this like, was like when they said the ultimate city run that was on by any city in this scenario uh-huh. was when the Celtics and the Red Sox and the Patriots were all 
winning titles. And sure. Bru- I mean, I know we're not counting hockey, but. We're talking right now. They won Bru- the Bruins won two at the time. I, I, That's I, right. And then the hockey I mean, is I, on top. I, it's hard because they have all three teams are going to be in the playoffs within a calendar year. One of those teams went to a title game, whereas the Rockets and the Texans had the second and fourth pick in well, the draft. Yeah. But, but the a Astros won the World Series. So it's like there's the highs and there's the lows. And the lows are two. It's like if you just – like if the Rockets lost the coin flip with the Spurs, they would have had the number one pick. So yeah. it's like you're so well, close. To the the lottery still price. has to fall your way, but I hear what you're saying. Well, I mean, technically – They would the have lottery, had the Spurs spot. They had the Spurs right. spot. Like they flipped – See, there's intrigue, though, whenever you're bad because – there's draft intrigue. Like Stroud and Anderson oh, landing hope, Houston right? was exciting. Uh, Amin Thompson was – I mean, if you land Victor, that's super exciting. So I'd rather be volatile. I'd rather have one team at the very, very top, the pinnacle of the sport, the other two teams at the bottom, than to have, like, three teams that are in the upper middle class, but, per se. But, but the, the upper echelon right now is Philadelphia because you have a team that was in the World Series. You have a team in the Eagles that was in the Super Bowl. And, and you know, their MLS team even went to the, the, the championship. And then the Sixers had a great run again because of Embiid, not so much Slim Jim. But the fact that they aren't going anywhere, if you're a, if you're a Philly, you know, our, our good friend Greg Frank, if you're a Philly fan right now, I mean, you're loving life because everywhere you turn your head, your team, whether it wins it or not, is competing for a playoff, you know, a, a long playoff run or a chance in a ch- title game. Yeah, Philly's probably the answer versus Houston, versus Houston and Miami. Philly's up there. LA, Philly, you got LA the, is so complicated. But you don't have the champion. That's you right. Don't None have the of champion. them won it. You had That's the right. Eagles Super Bowl. You know, they were in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You had the Phillies who were in the World Series. You had the 76ers who fell short. So, I mean, three. Choked again, it off. Upper, maybe even upper class, maybe not upper mid class. That's upper class. It is. Boston has the Patriots, the Celtics, and the Red Sox. Red Sox are. I don't. I don't think they know who they are. They're they're just outside of the playoffs. Patriots outside of the playoffs. This is not a great time for Boston. New York's kind of unfair because they have six teams: yeah. Jets, Giants, Knicks, Nets, Yankees, Mets. Well, I mean, you can do it. The you, you can, can pick one of the. You could do just one of the two in each you way. You can right? split the Mets, the Mets, the Jets. But no the one Mets. ever follows that. Like, I've heard everybody like, say that in New York, that it's the Mets, Nets, and Jets. And then I ask, like, Jess, Jake, who do you like? I like the Yankees and the Jets and the yeah. Knicks. What? Yeah, or Creighton. I, I like the Mets and the Giants and... Like, everybody says that's the rule. I think he's a Knicks fan. I think he is a Knicks yeah. fan. Everybody says that's the rule, but whenever I ask a New no Yorker, one no one it. ever follows no. it. So I don't, I don't believe it. I think it's a myth. I think it's a myth, too. It's, yeah. like, it's like going to the, the, the buffet and everybody picks what they want. And so you just pick and choose a la carte for each of the sports. And then you say you're a true New York fan, but, yeah. you know, you're, it, it, there's no consistency of it has to be all three. Let's go Houston just because I don't want to be a confused sports fan like all the New Yorkers. Cleveland and Browns. And I want Aaron Rodgers to crap the bed. So <laughs> Browns, Cavs, Guardians. No. Or the Texans mix. I'd rather have Texans mix. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. They went to Sean. Los Angeles, Rams, Chargers, Lakers, Clippers, Dodgers, Angels. That one's pretty good, except they don't really have a good NFL team, even though the Chargers made the playoffs, but no one likes the Chargers in L.A. Hot take: They don't have a really good basketball teams either. I mean, they're they're, they're going to make the playoffs, they and then they're going to and they're going to greatly disappoint you. Their, so, base, their baseball is probably better than the other two sports. I mean, the Dodgers absolutely really good. And the you know, Angels at least have stars. Now, this next one's going to be hard to define because the names on the front of the jersey don't exactly match the city they're in. But the Warriors, the Forty ers Oh, okay. See, I didn't put them. So the Warriors, the Forty ers the Giants, yeah. at San Francisco, yeah. It's it's more yeah. spread out. It's like uh, or like and the A's. But that's proper. Like who they claim as opposed to surrounding areas because you you know technically the Niners play in Santa Clara, Santa Clara, 
And, and so do the Warriors now, right? The Warriors play in San Francisco. The Giants play in San Francisco. Yeah, I guess I would say like that's a collection. That counts. Like, if we're counting enough. the Patriots with Boston, I well, think that It's counts. like if you're talking about, in, from my hometown, if you're talking about Milwaukee, but your only football team's in Green Bay, which is technically two hours away. See, I didn't count that one. Yeah, it, it's it's more difficult. And plus, they're not going anywhere football-wise, But if you believe me. But you have the Bucks, you have the Brewers, and then you have the Packers, which they're all at least above average. Man, San Francisco would be... That would be good because, like, the Giants are sneaky competitive, and they have been for two years now. Like, they're a good watch. Yeah. You have the Warriors, and then you have the 49ers. That would be a good time to be a sports fan. And like, you're not, look, you haven't won anything. But listeners like, aren't going to like this, but look what's going on in Dallas right now. Arlington. The Rangers are what the Rangers have resurrected, you know, what has been a, a complete bleep show, and, and they're winning the division. Dallas has Luka and Kyrie, but, you know, they were competitive in their Western Conference Finals two years ago. And then you got the Cowboys, who a lot of people are saying are going to be in the, 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 the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship game. So that's a good run right now going on in that Metroplex. Yeah, Arlington's is, is, is up there. I think Miami's up there. I think New York, L.A.'s probably up there. Philly's definitely up there. Washington has the Commanders, the Nationals, and the Bullets. Meh. Wizards. That's just a I mean, Bullets. I mean, they might Meh. be the bottom. Yeah, but it's pretty yeah, close to the I don't bottom. like that at all. Minnesota I mean, has the Vikings, the Twins, the Wolves. Yeah. Vikings won 13 games last uh, year. Uh, we'll just get this out of the way. That was like the emptiest 13 The worst wins. one is Chicago. Chicago with the Bears. They have cachet, though. You got the, the Bears, Bears had the Cubs, number one Sox, pick. Bulls. The Cubs suck. The Bulls are trash. <laughs> it's hard to argue. No, but, you know who else is really bad, though? Detroit. Oh. If they didn't have the Lions, you're looking at the Tigers. One year of the, the Lions, yeah. yes, and you have yes. to live in Detroit, right? Absolutely. Like Detroit's Armpit. pretty bad. Like what comes out? What good comes out of Detroit? Brendan Riley. I cannot until believe he, until, he got, until we fired him. I can't believe the NFL draft is going to be in Detroit next year. Oh. Is it really? If the wheelhouse asked me to go to Detroit, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> and my answer was going to be no. But like, if you guys really want to go suffer, send them, but make them carry the cesspool. equipment in public. Don't drink the water. Like, you want to go to that cesspool of city? Like, I guess you guys can go. Like, just have them, have them walk through the general middle of the city with the equipment in hand. Yeah. And just let them fend for themselves. It's going to be like two degrees outside. Andrew will come back. That's yeah. it. I think I'm going to make sure Andrew doesn't go. Like, <laughs> I like out of like precaution, because like that's my number one people is, my, is you two and the producers. So I'm yeah. going to make sure Andrew stays for safekeeping. 2920 Philadelphia lost the MLS championship the same that. day of game six of the world. Did you? Yeah. Uh, MLS, love MLS. Not one of the three majors. Hey, Dynamo's got, I think they're in the playoffs this year. The, the Panama guy that you know scored the game-winning uh, penalty kick against the U.S. in the Gold Cup, the semifinal. The guy that, that Is sealed he a Dynamo the deal. guy? He was a Dynamo guy. Huh. Apparently the Dynamo had been lost without him a little bit while he's gone from the international break. Who knew? Well, total, we do. total Dallas says uh, Cowboys, Mavs, Rangers. I said that, T.A. He needs to change his name to T.A., Total Arlington. Uh, 4294 Cincinnati sports teams are good. They don't have basketball, though. Like, they don't have the third major. Right. They, they, the Reds are good. Reds are, Reds I'm are bullish on the good Reds. Good right now. Bullish yeah. on the Reds, but they don't have that third major. All right, 713-780-3776. Tim Kirchin, the one and only Tim Kirchin from ESPN. He's going, I'm sorry, we're not talking to Tim Kirchin yet. We're doing that at 145. We're doing Who Said It next. Who Said It? Joe George, the stump king. He's going to try to stump us with quotes that were said by ESPN 97.5 personalities. The Killer Bees have to guess who, who, who said it. We'll see who wins this week. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. It's now time for the mega producer Joe George to do what he does best, and that's stumping. No one can stump the best stumper in Stumpville, and that's Stumpy Joe. Stumpy Joe. What happened to Stumpy Joe? The official explanation was he choked on vomit. Today, Stumpy Joe will try to stump the Killer Bees with Who Said It? Let the stumping begin. Let's get stumped. 
It's my favorite rejoin that we have that's been put together. All right, who said it? Joe's going to read to us five quotes. The last one's going to be interactive. It's going to be a duo, uh, tandem. Um, and we're going to guess who said all the quotes. Who said it? Last week was the bubble. It was the COVID. It was right. It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't a full scale. It was fake. So fake. We didn't, we, we wasn't a real championship. Right. Like what, are we doing? what are we doing next week? We're doing our job. Can I include Dell next week? It's good to hear yeah. Dell back on the Because Dell is uh, was it? Okay. Dell's filling well, well get used to it. I know. Because uh, Dell's filling in for Lance two days and Paul three days. So can I use Dell next week? Who's filling in for me next week? I am. Sweet. And, uh, two of the three. Patrick's doing Friday next week. Okay. Wait, Jeremy's out next week? Yeah. Oh, thanks for telling me. Uh, I was going to tell you today. Yeah, good. We'll get to this As later. always, I don't think we did it today, but we can adapt on the fly. All right, number one. <laughs> Some of these are long. I tried to go a little bit long. You guys have been complaining, so I've tried to, you know. Well, you've been. All right, Bushley. number one. Joe wants a little air time. Yeah, Bushley. <laughs> 12 to 2 on the bullpen tomorrow. <laughs> number one. You could literally watch day-to-day of the Oprah show back in the day. And, like, one day she would be a little heavier. And the next day she would be, like, incredibly skinny. Every time you see Oprah, she's a different size. So, immediately, it's... Who watches Oprah? That's, yeah. That's the only yeah. reason why we're using it. See, I think there's... My four that I go to here... Paul or BK. Yeah, you those think are there's in four it? guys on the staff that potentially I just watch Paul, Oprah? Paul, BK, Cody, PC, and maybe Lance. I'm going Paul, BK, and PC. Okay, well, let's go with those three. Let's use that as our okay. three. Because Lance is smart enough to figure out that when you do tapings of shows, that's why Oprah may look a little different from day to day. Others, you know. Are, does, does Oprah back then age anybody out? It's uh, a good call. Because uh, I remember when I was young, I knew who Oprah was. I knew who Oprah was when I was young, but I'm a little older than the wheelhouse. Paul? Paul, I think, is closer to our age. Yeah, so I think I think Paul, that's where I would say Paul would be, you're right. You might factor out the entire wheelhouse, but PC is definitely right there for Oprah. Can you read it again? Oh, no. It's lengthy. You could literally watch day-to-day of the Oprah show back in the day, and, like, one day she would be a little heavy, and the next day she would be, like, incredibly skinny. Every time you see Oprah, she's a different size. I think I eliminate Paul here because of the redundancy of the word day. I would think Pat would be a little more harsh in how he described heavy Oprah. I don't know. You go to heavy Oprah, like that's it's, it's a shot. Yeah, well, but Pat isn't opposed to taking shots. Who are you, who are you leaning here? I was leaning Paul. And, you went, and you're leaning which way? Probably Pat. Pat? We went back and forth on Paul and Pat. You call it. No, well, you call it. All right, we'll go pack, pack Creighton. Dang it. You could, you could literally watch no, day to day. Well, day you know what? It's better that we, neither one of us. Play. Yeah, but you know what? It's better that we neither one of ours was in there. Yeah, yeah, no one gets upset here. No, it's better, but it was in play. All right, number yeah. two. Kim, Kim Kardashian's not the boss of me. I don't need girls, you know, learning these ho-ass moves. That sounds like it's got to be in a singles bar with Paul Gallant when some other chick asked if he was gay. <laughs> I forgot about that. Because I listened to that whole thing the other day where he was he was talking about being in a bar and that certain people know how to ask him that appropriately. And a girl had a lot of attitude. And he didn't like the delivery. And he walked out and whispered in her ear, enjoy menopause. Um... So it sounds like you have a good guess. I don't know. If the, I don't know if it was relation to this, but that's why I say I can think. I can see Paul saying something like that. 
Well, it's not, I mean, you're stronger than I would have when you take here. So you, you have anybody go, else you throw in there? Uh, not really. Want to go, Paul? We're kind of mailing in who said it this week. Paul Gallant. Okay, Paul Gallant. Dang. Kim Kardashian's not the boss of me. I don't yeah. need girls, you know, learning these kind of ho-ass no. moves. Huh. Wow, Lance, I don't I don't think I'd have seen that one coming. He said his daughter's tur- trying to turn on the Kardashians. Oh, and I heard part of that. That's my bad. His daughter's turning on him? No, no they, they started, she wanted to start watching the Kardashians. He was like, absolutely not, not in my house, not until you're 18. Really? You're not watching that in my house. Why is she so anti? I don't, Why need, is these, he so I don't anti? need these girls. Yeah. These and I missed that quote. That's, <laughs> so, that's funny. He's so anti-Kardashian. Uh, if I had a girl, I would be. Really? Yeah, that show sucks. All right, number three. <laughs> There are thousands of attractive Pilates instructors in the city of Houston. I know like six of them. Do they know me? No. Are they sexually attracted? Are they sexually interested in me? No. Sounds very Pauly. It or sure BK. does, but it could, we could be baited again. By the way, that's creeper esque. I know six <laughs> Pilates instructors. Do they know me? No. Well, then how do you know them? And that's creepy all in itself. Well, Paul's like the stocky one of the... the didn't, wasn't he looking at somebody else's window the other day and like saw somebody naked? He was singing what? A, a fake country song about the girl in the bikini at the pool. That was like two weeks ago. It was a Chump of the Week nomination. Oh, they, they, I thought it was a dude. I thought he was looking at a dude. <laughs> now you're going to get the comment in your ear. I mean... What do you mean? <laughs> I'm saying that he gets um, upset that everybody thinks he's gay. That's not, I'm not saying that he's gay. You he said he thought he was that. looking at the dude. I thought it was like an accident. Like oh. he was looking out his oh. window, somebody else's curtains were open, and he saw a naked guy. That's what I thought the story was. Oh. I didn't realize it was different. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that or that Paul is gay. <laughs> I love this show. It's fantastic. <laughs> so who are we guessing? <laughs> who said it? I, mean, I think it's. I, I did see Paul tweeting about Pilates. Then, so boom. I lean. Yeah, I and lean I was. It, it make, he's single, so it's either the wheelhouse or him, right? Oh yeah. So good with Paul. Yeah. Paul Gallant. There are thousands <laughs> of attractive Pilates instructors in the city of Houston. I know like six of them. Do they know me? No. Are That's they so sexually weird. interested in me? No. <laughs> Do they know Honestly, me? Honestly, here's the thing. Paul probably does Pilates. Paul posted that one on social media, so I found it on his Twitter feed. And I was like, it's so obvious, but I just, I wanted to ha- hear the discussion. You could hear the- I wanted like- to hear the discussion. He does Pilates, right? Tell me you're a creeper Pilates. without telling me you're a creeper. I saw the profile of this chick. It's a Pilates instructor. She doesn't know me. I know where maybe, she works. Maybe he does Pilates. I know what she drives. He said he doesn't know her. But would you know your Pilates instructor? I thought you would know yeah. her. You, she would know you. Yeah. If you go enough. All right. All right. And number you know four. Paul's dropping. You know I do radio on ESPN. <laughs> All right. Let's see if I can get through this fourth one. <laughs> number four. Get through it. What? It's a bad joke. Cody. <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> you want to guess before I read it? <laughs> Number you get four. Extra points? Sure. I was going to say, what's his favorite exhibit at the zoo? It's the HIPAA exhibit. That's uh, it's probably the I think it's BK. BK loves talking about Dusty Baker with HIPAA. Okay. Although well, it, could be, it could be Cody, too. <laughs> but it sounds BK. Doesn't that sound like a BK dad joke? Yeah, you call it. Yeah, not, I know BK loves to talk about Hippo when it comes to Dusty Baker. Or what is are you it Cody? Me for? I'm telling him he can call it if he's that confident. Man, now that little look. Like, I'm wondering if it might yeah. be Cody. You, what do you want to go with? You want to go BK? Now you're, I, you said that BK always talks. BK does talk a lot about Hippo. But that, that entire show talks about Hippo. But you're right. This could have been one of these, these acting class things that we got to do in the last one where they go back and forth trying to act on you know, act out what people said Hip-hop. to where it could have been a conversation between BK and Cody, which makes it again 
very Bush League I, uh, and very no, much No, this, this, this is one person. It's one person. I know, but oh, I'm okay. saying this is Bush League because you know it could be two people having a conversation on that show. Well, that's how the show works. Yeah, I don't Hit like having a conversation. Say it one more time. I was going to say what's his favorite exhibit at the zoo. It's the HIPAA exhibit. I don't think I don't know. I don't think Cody knows what exhibit is. So <laughs> probably BK. Let's go BK. I thought you were going to say hippo. I mean hippo. It's not BK. <laughs> it's Cody. Oh man. Say what's his favorite exhibit at the zoo? Ex- exhibit. Hippo exhibit. <laughs> I should have known that was. Cody. What was that laugh? <laughs> oh my god! He told his own joke and then he laughed at it like the end. Hippo. This, this laugh was. This laugh was almost as bad as the other high pitched hyena. I'm thing so he bad did. at myself. As soon as you said it was a bad joke, I said Cody. I know. As soon as I heard that cheese, I should have just stayed with Cody. Like that was such the Cody. Wait, that is random. Wait, I should have known that Cody answer. That laugh, like every dog in Houston, just rolled over. It was like, what high pitched thing was that? I love how he laughs. I did say Cody before I said BK. You did. You did. Yeah, and then you screwed it up. Yep. Man, All right, BMAC. I choked. All right, BMAC, you ready? Well, let's go with the Academy <clears throat> Award winning presentation. Let's do it. To quote the Russian guy in the movie Taken, good luck. What an absurd reference there. To quote the Russian guy in the movie Taken, good luck? Did he really do the accent at the end? Yes. Because I was going to say it sounds very Mapes and Paul, because we've been wheelhousey in these acting. Uh, I think things. it's. Still, I think this is wheelhousey. You do? Yeah. Pretty well, sure well, the Russians, Jake. You, me? Yeah, you. Yeah, because I don't see him doing the. Uh, it's the Jake, act. and I would guess BK. Ooh, if he's if he's doing the accent at the end, I think it's Cody. That would be three Cody Cody's? likes to do like his, ooh, Jimmy Frost. You used two Cody's already? No. Yeah. No, I think he used one. Oh, we, no, no, he used them for Oprah. Oh, yeah, Cody was the Oprah. Cody's. You're right. Oh. I don't think he's going to go three Cody's. He's Bush League, you know that. Although per capita, um, I don't think he would go three Cody's. I think this is Jake and BK. I mean, you can stay hot. Yeah, I've been ice cold. Yeah. You stay hot. We'll roll with that. <laughs> I've not been hot. Because now I know he's actually been emotionally been struck by that uh, uh, I am. I am. I'll be honest. I'm shaking after I got That's what on. I'm saying. I was all feel when four. I say my weekend's going to suck As soon as he goes, win. it was a bad joke. I was That's like, it's right. Cody. And then he gave me a bunch of cheese, and I went away from Cody, which my rule number one of this stupid game, whenever I get served cheese, I answer Cody. I, I, this is, I'm pretty sure this is this is Jake and BK. All right, let's redeem Jake, yourself. Jake and BK. Hey, to quote the uh, Russian guy in the movie Taken. Good luck. <laughs> That's a terrible Russian impersonation. The Russian guy in the movie Taken. Good luck. He sounded German, didn't he? Like if that was that was a German. I, th- I think they got like which what a Russian accent is wrong. For sure. Like yeah. He sounded German, didn't he? Yes. Uh, right. BK did more of the accent than Jake. The good luck. That's uh, I don't know, man. All right, we got two of five wrong, two of five right. I'm going to wear this it's one. Not bad. I, I own this one, Blankers. Th- this is right. my fault. I, I right. you Unlike down. you, I'm going to support you, it's be a good fault. teammate, and say, you know what, we'll be fine next week. There's no fun in that. All right, Texans training camp's right around the corner. You know what I did the other day? I, I rewatched Ohio State, Georgia, and I have some C.J. Stroud thoughts. Also, this running back saga going on in the NFL, it's not good. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I was going to do this anyways, but now that I let my partner down on uh, who said it, I'm going to do even more of it. I've been telling you for uh, for a while now about Gentle Ben. It's the very best, and it all starts with the finest ingredients, classic 
time-honored distilling methods. Gentle Bend uses their innovative process that removes the harshness and heat that's found in most spirits. The result is unparalleled smoothness and an enjoyable drinking experience. You get all the flavor with none of the burn. Gentle Bend takes away the bite, takes away the burn, and allows for an enjoyable drinking experience that's better than anything else. Gentle Bend offers vodka, gin, straight bourbon whiskey, cast-strength bourbon. All are fantastic. All are in my rotation. What's in your rotation? Add Gentle Bend to that rotation. Next time you head to dinner or you go to your favorite bar, ask for Gentle Bend. Look for Gentle Bend at the liquor store or whatever's on your way home. Pick up a bottle today. Looking for plans? Head to the Gentle Bend Tasting Room. Headed to an Astro game? Stop by the Gentle Bend Bar right when you walk in the Union Station entrance. Gentle Bend, three parts craft, one part science. Oh, no. The bees have left the hive, and their listeners are swarming around the pizza oven on the Kima Boardwalk. Wait. That means one of them's a queen bee. Nope, not picturing that one. From the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel and Jeremy. Killer Bees broadcasting live from the Kima Boardwalk. Great time, great way to spend your Friday evening, great way to spend your weekend, great way uh, to spend your summer. Get here before the kids back, head back to summer. It's a great spot for food, great spot for drink, great spot to hang out and have some fun. Um... I went home the other day, and, and Brandon Baby needed a, a nap, Blankers. And when Brandon Baby needs a, a nap, I usually put something on TV. Yeah. All-Star break, there hadn't been a whole lot going on. There wasn't a summer league game. I was caught up on my reality television. Unlike you and I, who enjoy watching golf, a lot of people said you want a quick way to fall asleep and get a good nap, watch right. golf. And it was a Tuesday, so there's no golf on on a Tuesday. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday, but no golf on on a Tuesday or Try Wednesday. Try the golf channel. They'll find it. That's true. So I turned on Ohio State-Georgia last year. College football playoffs, semifinals. And it's, it's interesting to watch this kind of a, in a rewatch knowing that you have the quarterback. Because I remember watching this when we were talking about the quarterbacks and things like that. And one of the, one of the comps that I have for C.J. Stroud after watching this game is kind of Deshaun Watson. But I only think he's Deshaun Watson when he has to improvise and the pocket breaks down. He is not Deshaun Watson when he has a clean pocket, which is good news. Because if we were to have a criticism of Deshaun Watson is that he wasn't great from the pocket. I don't think C.J. Stroud is anything like Deshaun Watson when the pocket is clean, when the pocket is fine. In fact, he's looking to get rid of the ball quick. He's very accurate Accurate. with the football, which Deshaun Watson was not the most accurate coming into the NFL. So I I kind of walk back that comparison saying that Stroud looks to me like Deshaun when he's scrambling, his his ability to improvise, uh, being able to find receivers open after he's able to avoid Jalen Carter, you know, breathing down his neck. Yeah, extending the plays, which we hadn't seen C.J. Stroud do a whole lot of that prior uh, to this Georgia game. One thing that, and I have have a few things here, one of the things that excites me about C.J. Stroud, you know, and kind of watching this game back again, he makes the easy play look easy, and that, I think, is so important in the well, NFL. I think that's why Brady was great, quite honestly. Well, not only that, but, Jeremy, just localize it and say that's what made it so difficult to watch Davis Mills a year ago because he made the easy play look hard. We kept talking about how many times he threw an easy out route into the popcorn vendor in the second row or was completely way off target. The fact that you can at least know and rely on a guy that is going to put the ball where it needs to be put. Now, the receiver still has to catch it. It has to be the right read, all those other things. But when he throws the football, the one thing that you can't knock that he's always been known for is his accuracy. If he can be accurate, then I believe that they're already a step above where they were a year ago based on what we saw from Mills. Making the simple play simple is also, I think, something that Deshaun didn't do. 
I don't think Deshaun was very good at the easy play. Like, he would hit him, obviously, but he didn't hit him at a rate that you want your quarterbacks to make. He, he would miss five-yard out passes. It's like what, he would miss a five-yard slant. You, you know what I would attribute that to in some degree, too? He didn't want to make that play because he always wanted Maybe. to make the highlight play. He, wa- he knew that in the, in the progressions, that was probably one of the last ones, but it was the best one. But he wanted to make the big play, so that's why when you talk about extending plays and using his legs and doing those things, at the end of it, he'd be like, dang it, this is what i got to do. Yep. And then he didn't do it well. The, he's, I feel like Stroud's very much a point guard. He's very much a, a point guard that plays the quarterback Old position. Old school, right? I, I, I think so. Not a game manager old school, but at least – Playing the position the right way instead yeah. of trying to be a heroic way. See, remember, where, and, and the second one that I have here is incredible accuracy. Is accuracy really, like, there is, there's reason to have concern, like, product of the system, Ohio State, their offense is so stinking good that they're going to make every quarterback that goes through there look and really, loaded. really good. And, and that's a fair, it's a fair mm-hmm. criticism. But his accuracy is legit like his accuracy is elite and i can understand the jared goff comparisons remember when we were here in the jared goff comp before this this ohio state georgia game where like he sits in the pocket he gets rid of the ball quick and he puts the ball where it needs to be i see that like i see incredible accuracy i see kind of jared goff but he's way more athletic than that that this was like the jared goff comparisons were before ohio state georgia I think he can be Deshaun Watson when he's forced to scramble and when the pocket breaks down, which is a good thing. Now, I don't want him to be Deshaun Watson when the pocket's clean, and he doesn't do that. He's more Jared Goff when the pocket's clean, which is very, very good. He improvised really well in this game, avoids trouble, which is something that I also like. Like, he's not running to trouble. That's what I was going to say. When I remember watching that game and obviously paying closer attention to him because of the scenario that was played out in this town of what you might be faced with, the one thing I, I liked about him was he knew there was a knock on him that he couldn't, but he still didn't let it get to him so that he forced it and did it when he didn't have to. And I think that's big for any quarterback. You know, like Deshaun knows how gifted he is as an athlete, but he tries to use that and, and it ends up being a disadvantage because he doesn't have yeah. to do it on every play, but he wants to. I think a lot of times his like Deshaun's athleticism kind of leads to him not being a quarterback. Absolutely. Cuz I, I think it's very important to win from the pocket in the NFL. Like I know we live in a modern day where these quarterbacks have ability to run around and scramble and be dual threats. Look at Super Bowl winners. Like Super Bowl winners crush you in the pocket. Last year Mahomes was on a bad wheel. Still was able to crush you from the pocket. See, that's the good point because that's the caveat. Everybody sees Mahomes and goes, "Oh, he's the best off-script yeah. late late playground football quarterback in the league." But he couldn't have been last last year. That's a great call. So that's like I, I like this about Stroud is that he's not looking to scramble. He's not looking to be a dual threat. We saw in the Georgia game that he's capable of doing it when he absolutely has to. But it's never the first thing that he's looking to do, which I like. Now he has incredible targets. I mean, at Ohio State he had Marvin Harrison Jr. He had the Ebola guy who's going to be a first round receiver next year as well. So like he had better targets relative to college football at Ohio State than he's going to have here. Like Ohio State might have had top one skill position players, certainly top three in the entire country. The Houston Texans skill position players are going to be in the bottom third of the league. So Stroud's going to have a little bit of an adjustment to make there. I've never felt that Stroud was a perfect fit for a Shanahan type of system, to be quite honest with you, because like he's get rid of the ball quick, very accurate, which is good things that you want in the West Coast system. But like he seems to me like at times that he would be looking for the bigger plays, right? He wanted to throw the ball downfield a little bit more. 
watching a San Francisco offense, they like to throw the ball. Like they like to get through it quick. They like to get rid of it. They quick. do. There was moments in this game where Ohio State, because they were scared of Georgia's front four and the pressure that they were going to apply on CJ Stroud, where he's getting rid of the ball as quickly as he possibly can. That encouraged me seeing that for what I think. Bobby Slowick offense is going to be too. I was going to ask you because I don't recall from that game, but his accuracy on the deep ball, because the one thing that I do remember in terms of why he got a lot of credit too for being accurate is the deep cross. The deep cross across the middle, especially when you know, you're facing coverage from different angles of the defense, he always seemed to put the ball where it needed to be in the deep cross. I don't remember the deep ball on the out routes, but I do know that when he had to put a little something on it and fit it in a little tighter window in the deep outs, he was capable of doing that in the deep crosses. Yeah. And I thought that that was something that really worked in his favor when he made the, uh, the trip to the next level. I was blown away by his accuracy, to be completely honest with you, which I love accuracy from a quarterback. Now, like the highlight plays here, like I don't put a whole lot of stock into other than it shows like good impro- like he can improvise really well. Like the one where he was able to, to, to roll out right and then kind of heaved it up to Marvin Harrison Jr. Like that's kind of a backyard play. Like it's sure. good that he can make it. That's I just don't football, think, yeah. yeah, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of that in the NFL. I'm glad he's capable of doing it. I quite honestly don't want to see him do it a lot. One of the, one of the concerns that I have going back and watching C.J. Stratton, I think I'm going to watch the Michigan game next because I don't think he, he wasn't supposed to play good in that game. But he didn't have a great S2 score. Like we all know that he's, he, he wasn't very high s 2 right? So I wanted to watch this game from like, is this a high football IQ guy? Is he high as Tui? I thought for the most part he was high as Tui. There was two plays that are questionable with the S Tui, but from from looking at it from like a full game landscape, he's super heads up, I felt, play smart. The thing that encourages me about the s 2 ness his football IQ, he doesn't take silly sacks, which that would drive me up the wall with Deshaun Watson. Like, he's getting rid say, of the football. Deshaun, yep. Like, he sees, he sees that the play's busted. He sees the defensive end right down his face. He's getting rid of the football. He's throwing it away. He's living to see second and 10, not second and 16. That encourages me from a football IQ point of, uh, point of view. I thought he got rid of the football really good in this game. Now, there were two mistakes late in the game, I thought, and they happened on the same drive, back-to-back moments. Uh, they had to burn a timeout. Their coach did. Coach Day had to burn a timeout to save a delay a game because he took too long to get in a play, too long to get a motion going, which, okay, I don't want to see that at the NFL level. We're probably going to see a little bit of that as him as a rookie. And then late in the game, design run, when they were trying to milk the clock, they were still leading. This was before Georgia took the lead. Design run, runs out of bounds. Like, I, I, it's some, I didn't like seeing that. It's like, okay, that's got to be something yeah. that you're correcting. Like, if you're trying to milk the clock and you're running the football before you duck it out of bounds, let, let's slide. Let's get down. Let's keep that clock running. Well, and I think also, to some degree, that's where your coaching staff has to also play a role and say, hey, look, whether it's I'm in your ear until the 15-second mark or when you're getting the play called in or whatever, remind him, hey, you stay in bounds at all costs. It is, this is where we're at. This is what the clock is. It's clock and game management, right? And you're right. The quarterback should know that, but it's also on the coaching staff to make sure that he, everybody's on, on the same page with that. The one thing that I, I really felt strongly about going coming out of that game was we know that there's guys like Kirk Cousins. They're great regular season quarterbacks. Well, when it gets to the, the bright lights in the big stage, they kind of wilt away. They yeah. kind of become a lesser than. He knew that not only for himself personally, but for his team coming in uh, in an underdog David and Goliath situation, it wasn't too big of a moment for him. For the majority of the game, they were in control. He was in control. They, they were in the lead because he was leading them yeah. as a leader. And that's something that is an intangible that's hard to find in all quarterbacks. I feel like he's got that, and that's 
that's no matter what else he learns when he gets to the NFL, that's a big thing to have in your back pocket. I mean, he, he took his game up a notch. Like, yes. he, he showed us things that he hadn't showed us. So I was, I was encouraged watching that. I'm going to watch Michigan before training camp, too. Uh, Tim Kirchin covers baseball for ESPN. The legendary Tim Kirchin joins the Killer Bees next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. The Circa Million and Circa Survivor are back. $14 million between those two contest and guaranteed prizes. No rake. The biggest con- the biggest football contest in Las Vegas are back for their fifth year only at Circa Sports. Head to Circa, enter in Vegas, and then the beauty of it, play from anywhere. You can play from your couch, you can play from work, uh, wherever, because you can play anywhere once you enter in Vegas. The Circa Million Football Contest, $6 million in total prizes, quarterly payouts, you can win quarterly, and 100% payback. There's no rake. No one else offers this. And the top prize is $1 million guaranteed. You'll pick five teams against the spread weekly, and the winner takes home $1 million. The Circus Survivor. We've heard about the Circus Survivor. Their biggest prize yet, $8 million. It's simple. Pick a winner straight up, no spread, and win big. Be the lone survivor, and a guaranteed $8 million is yours. Bigger money than ever before. Play today for your share of $14 million in guaranteed prizes. The contests are open now. You don't want to miss out. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for more details. Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios are today located at the Pizza Oven on the Kima Boardwalk. Catch the Killer Bees there now for the next stellar segment with Joel and Jeremy. Let's go straight out to the HRP guest line, being joined by ESPN baseball great Tim Kirchin. Tim is on baseball tonight, Sunday night countdown at 5 Central, ahead of the Astros versus Angels on Sunday night baseball at 6 Central this Sunday, Sunday Night Baseball, back after the All-Star break. Uh, Tim, thanks so much for taking a few minutes and joining Blinkers and Branham on ESPN in Houston. Tim, I'll be honest with you, we're going to see Shohei Otani tonight going up against the Astros. I have some Shohei Otani fatigue. Everybody's talking about, whoa, whoa, let's let's trade for Shohei Otani. Let's bring him to Houston. Let's bring him to New York. Let's bring him to the Dodgers. Uh, what is the latest? How do you think it ultimately shakes out with the Shohei Otani sweepstakes ahead of August 1st? <laughs> Well, the story changes on a daily basis. I am guessing, like all of us, I think he's going to stay put at the trade deadline. I think the only chance the Angels have to keep him is to obviously not trade him, try to get the playoffs, or, and at least give him some hope and them some hope that he's in October and he's going to be in October with the Angels for several more years to come. To me, that's the only, that's their best shot of keeping him because if they trade him, I'm just not sure they're going to get equal value for a once in a lifetime player. And I'm not sure they're going to get exactly what they want. Whoever gives it up is going to have to give up three, four, five players. And I, I don't see too many teams willing to do that. Unless they're guaranteed they're going to be able to sign him long-term. So this is a very thorny issue that the Angels have. This guy is unbelievably good, and I think they have to do everything they can to keep him long-term. And I think the only way to do that is to win as many games as possible and give him hope that this is a place he can win. Well, Tim... 
kind of spinning off of that because we've seen him in the division and and honestly we were talking about it we'd like him to stay put because we think he has less chance to do damage to the overall goals of the Houston Astros but with that in mind as you look at the first half of this Astros season as opposed to this last as we like to call it the golden era of Astros baseball it's been very different and they've been struggling and they've had a ton of injuries when you look at them right now going into the second half do you, what do you see from this team and the urgency to make moves as as opposed to just get healthy? Well, I would be happy if I were an Astros fan to be where the team is, only two games out of first place, given almost everything has gone wrong the first half of the season, led by the injuries. Now, obviously, Altuve and Alvarez have played, I think it's eight games together, this year, they're essentially their two best players, and to still be very much in the playoff hunt with this many injuries is a very encouraging sign. However, they're going to have to play better, and they're going to have to go get some help at the trade deadline if these injured players aren't coming back the way they need them to and aren't as productive. I mean, they've scored, you know, they've scored 114 fewer runs than the Rangers have. At the All-Star break, that's an enormous gap. And I don't see the Rangers slowing down significantly offensively or pitching-wise. So the the Astros have some work to do, but I am very confident they'll do whatever it takes to make the team better, and I'm very confident they'll make the playoffs one way or another. The Rangers were without Corey Seager for a period of time, too, and still racked up all those runs ahead of the Astros. Tim Kirchin joining us on the HRP guest line. You can catch him on Sunday Night Baseball, Astros Angels on ESPN. You mentioned it. The Astros could be a buyer at the trade deadline August 1st. If you put your shoes or if you put your feet in the shoes of Dana Brown, what positions are you looking forward to to try to trade for if you're the Astros GM? <laughs> well, <laughs> They could use another bat because they just haven't swung the bat like they have in the past. But they're still, I think, when everyone's healthy, a well-above-average offensive team. Because of the injuries, especially to their starting rotation, they could always use another starting pitcher. But the problem is everyone out there is looking for a hitter. Everyone out there is looking for another front-line starting pitcher. I mean, is. You know, Marcus Stroman going to be available? Lucas Giolito going to be available? Who is going to be available? And with so many teams still in these pennant races, um, I just think it's going to be hard for, say, the St. Louis Cardinals to just say, all right, we'll we'll start trading players now because uh, we're out of this, when they're really not, because every division is, or the two centrals, for instance, uh, have all sorts of teams in play. So, this is a very complicated uh, time of year, and I think it's even more complicated with the extra wild card and with so many mediocre teams thinking we're not going to sell. we got a chance to make the playoffs, so we're going to buy. Tim, I'm interested because you know, we've talked to you before. we talked to a lot of national guys, and we see a lot of you guys on ESPN and MLB and everything else talking about this run with the Astros, and we know that nationwide, and we just saw it at the All-Star game, everybody kind of has a target on the Astros' back because of 17. But when you look at this run of Astros baseball, and, and, and look, they wore it and they deserved to in 17. But now that you've seen what they've been capable uh, of doing and you've seen it over an extended period of time and the numbers they put up, and then to win a second World Series, ha- have, we, have we gone from a standpoint, at, at least 
overall perception nationally of they wore it and now they've earned the fact that people should give this team praise for being as good as they've been? Well, that's certainly how I look at it. Um, what they've done in the last seven to ten years is pretty darn impressive. Um, and I'm, wet, I'm ready to move on from the 17 team. But I will tell you, fellas, I was at the All-Star game in Seattle, and I could not believe how loud the booing was every time the name Houston Astros came up and almost every time any Astro went to the plate or did anything. It was, um, I mean, I did not know the Mariner fans were that, that upset still after all these years, and they're certainly not the only ones. But, again, I, I think you have a new manager, you've got a bunch of new players and only a few holdovers. Uh, it's time to, set, to change the subject and move on. At least that's the way I see it. They were uh, they were cheering that Kyle Tucker walk though in the ninth inning, Timmy. I think that they really liked that Kyle Tucker guy. I, I think too that the Astros swept them out of the playoffs last year. Probably still sticks in their claw a little bit too. What has been the most impressive thing for this Astros run to you? For me, it's the player development. And you look at so many of these young players, Jeremy Payne, not on a top 100 list. Christian Javier, not on a top 100 list. Yiner Diaz, not on the top 100 list. How do the Astros continue to turn out so many good players despite being overlooked by, it seems like, everybody in baseball? Yeah, it's really impressive what they've done, drafting and developing, which is how you, you win long-term in the big leagues because you can't just spend for everything. you got to do it yourself sometimes. And the pitching that they have brought through in the last few years is really impressive, from Valdez to Javier and now Hunter Brown. Uh, they still need some help you know, with depth and pitching in their minor league system, but the number of quality everyday players that they brought to the big leagues in the last seven years or so is um is really something other teams should look at and say, you know, what are the Astros doing right here? Because they've done it awfully, awfully well. And that's one reason they've had this sustained success is they don't just make good trades. They draft and develop maybe not as well as the Rays or a few other teams, but they've done a really good job. Well, Tim, we know you guys always do preseason predictions, and then there's the midseason review, but I'm just interested. We heard Derek Jeter say the other day that he thought that the Astros were the best-equipped team to win the American League. When you look at it now going forward to the second half of the season, the Braves have had an unbelievable run. We've seen these teams that have overachieved and done things like the Rangers. How do you see the rest of the second half going, and who do you see in the World Series? Well, I think the Braves are going to the World Series from the National League, if I have to make a prediction four months in advance, because they are loaded and they have more homers at the All-Star break than any team in the history of baseball. The American League is much more clouded to me. There are a bunch of really good teams. The Orioles are loaded with talent. The Rays got off to that amazing start. Toronto's due for a big run here. I'm not sure the Yankees are out of this once they get judged back, which we'll see about that. Um, and in the AL West, I mean, the Rangers are not a fluke. They're going to be, a, I believe, a playoff team. But the, the Astros have everything it takes to win the American League pennant again. But, of course, what has to happen is they have to get everybody healthy and playing at their top level once October begins. But I just don't see an American League team right now that's just so good, it's just going to run away with things. Like, maybe the Braves are going to do. Maybe the Braves are that much better than the next best team in the National League. 
I don't see it that way in the American League, and that's why you have to give the Astros a chance to do something big because I don't think there's a dominant, dominant team in the American League. Tim, do they have to make a trade to do that, or are they good even uh, if they stand pat? Well, I just have to see in two weeks where their health is, where Alvarez is, where Altuve is, how are they scoring runs. I don't think they have to make a trade, but I bet they do make a trade because it's just not good enough to win the division anymore or, or even get to the World Series. When you've done what the Astros have done, even more is expected, and I think they'll go do something. Tim Kirchin joining us on the HRMP guest line. You can catch him on the call. Sunday Night Baseball, Astros, Angels coming up on Sunday. That series begins tonight with Shohei Otani on the mound going up against J.P. France. Uh, Tim, I'm curious. We were talking about the trade deadline a little bit earlier. And last year, and you mentioned, like, all, all the teams that are going to be buyers, there's not very many sellers. Last year we saw a trade between a couple of buyers just swapping positions of need, right? Uh, Jordan Montgomery going to St. Louis, Harrison Bader going to New York. Do you think that with more playoff teams now more than ever in Major League Baseball, the trade deadline August 1st, there's more uh, buyers than ever before. Do you think that that's a trend that we're going to start to see going forward where two contenders making trades from their surplus? Yeah, I do, in part because this is different than basketball. This is really different than football also. If you make the playoffs in baseball, you have a chance to win the World Series, and almost no team makes the playoffs, and you look at it and go, they have no chance to make it or win the World Series. Look at, say, the Brewers. The Brewers have really good starting pitching when Brandon Woodruff is healthy. So what do the Brewers do? The Brewers have to add, in my opinion, in order to try to win that division, because if they do win the division, they are a dangerous team with those three starting pitchers at the top of their rotation. So there are a lot of other teams that look at it that way. If we get in, we can do some damage, and that's why I think we're going to see more buyers and sellers, and that's why I think those teams that are right on the edge are going to say, hey, we got to go for this because we got an extra playoff team, and if we, have, if we get in, we might do something when we get in. So I, I think this is at least here to stay for the immediate future that with more playoff spots open – more buyers we're going to see. Tim, we appreciate the time. We'll be watching you on Sunday Night Baseball. We, we appreciate you coming on. Always enjoy your work and hope to catch up again before the season's over. Okay, fellas. Thank you. You got it. Tim Kirchin, one of the best, uh, joining us I on the I love that guy. He's so upbeat all the Tim time. Kirchin. Such a good guy. Find somebody that looks at you the way Tim Kirchin looks at baseball. Good point. Nope. <laughs> because he loves him some baseball. Tim Kirchin, ESPN. <laughs> Do we agree with what he said about Otani? Will he be staying in Anaheim? How about the Astros, the bat, the starter? Is that the most important thing? Also, we got some interesting comments on our Killer Bees trade candidate wish list. Mm. Some of the best. It's the uh, We'll do it next. It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.